Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech Africa series. I'm Rudy Fala, the founder of Voice of Fintech podcast. In this series, you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, investors, incumbents, and ecosystem hub leaders from Africa. And this episode is hosted by Patrick. Welcome to the Voice of Fintech podcast. And this time we're joined by Mr. Andrew Barden, who is the lead organizer and content director of the Africa Fintech Summit. He's here to help us break down all the events in the sector and also give us his opinion about, uh, from the perspective of a strategy director, strategy consultant, who's done a few things for fintech enthusiasts, professionals, companies, startups, and I'm excited to have him. So welcome to our show, Andrew. Patrick, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today and uh, talk about something we all love. Oh yeah, we're here to talk about fintech and about <laughs> Africa. What's your professional background and uh, your story? How did you get into this space? Yeah, I'm originally from coastal Virginia, around the Virginia Beach area. I studied business economics and mathematics at a small school in central Virginia. I began in university. I ended up interning with Daedalus Global and the Africa FinTech Summit, and have since worked my way up to a director position within the companies. I moved to Africa for the first time last year um, when COVID was you know, inshallah, on the downward trend. But I moved to Cairo, Egypt, and lived in Giza for a while. Earlier this year, I decided to move to Nairobi, Kenya. I'm absolutely loving it here in Nairobi. And now that uh, winter is over, I get to see the sun more and more every day. It's very exciting. Um, But no, essentially, I came from small town Virginia, ended up through my internship falling into the African fintech industry. In the early days, I was just working because you need experience to end up getting other jobs. You need expertise, you need connections. And so when I first started, that's what I was working towards. It was just another job. And then over over time, I've really found a passion for this and for this industry and for the people that play an active role in African fintech. And now I'm happy to be one of those people actively, you know, chasing many of the the various goals that the industry has, financial inclusion and so forth. So yes, but thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And I hope that answers your question about professional background. Yeah, it's always great to learn what inspired you to indulge you know we have we all we all have different reasons why we ended up here but uh, yeah if you could also just tell us more about your current job what's Daedalus Global about what's the Africa FinTech Summit about yes so let's start with Daedalus um so Daedalus is a strategic consulting firm that focuses on emerging technology in Africa my position as the director of insights is guiding much of our content, our research, and so forth. And also with that, the Africa FinTech Summit. But with Daedalus, we do a variety of different services for various clients. We don't work with any specific stakeholder group in the industry. We work with everyone from startups, investors, 
ecosystem building initiatives, regulators, and so forth. But essentially, some of the services we offer like risk management, we offer fundraising consulting both to funds and to startups, which is a very interesting paradigm to play in because it really puts everything into perspective. It's trying to raise, your startup's trying to raise from a VC. That VC is also trying to raise money for its own fund. Beyond that, we work in deal sourcing, market entry strategy, communication strategy, project management, and we dabble in regulatory affairs. Now, Daedalus is a co-organizer of the Africa FinTech Summit. AFTS was founded in 2017, and we're co-organized by Daedalus and our partner firm, Ibex Frontier. Ibex Frontier is founded and managed by Karius Ansalu, but AFTS is a biannual initiative. We host two summits a year, and then we do various projects throughout the year, whether these be roadshow events, as we call them, or happy hours throughout the year, just to continually engage with the ecosystem. But each April, we host a conference in Washington, D.C. during the IFC World Bank Spring Meetings. And then each November, we host another we host another conference in a different African host city. So our first year in 2018, we were in Lagos, 2019, Addis Ababa, 2020, like everyone else, we were virtual. 2021, last year, we were back live for the first time after COVID in Cairo, Egypt. And then here in the next 27 days or so, we have the conference coming up in Cape Town, South Africa. So we're very excited about this and uh, there's a lot of great things going on, but just to give a little context to the relationship between Daedalus and the Africa FinTech Summit is it's really an opportunity for us to expand our engagement and facilitate major conversations that need to happen in this space. We'll get into this, I'm sure, a little bit later in the episode, but there are major conversations that have to take place among decision makers in the industry in order to move the industry forward. This year, these topics include, you know, mobile wallet interoperability. How do you facilitate tech talent that's dedicated and empowered? And all of these other various conversations. But in the large scope of things, Daedalus works in strategic consultancy in various different tech sectors. And the Africa FinTech Summit is one of our initiatives that we, uh, we operate with Daedalus. Yeah, very cool. And I think over the years, you've built quite the community. I know I've been involved in one or two of your events. I know we've, we've witnessed a few partners, participants like Jack Dorsey of Twitter and so on. Would you tell us a little bit more about the, some of the mix of guests and uh, participants in some of your events, just to give a sense of how diverse and how interesting your community has become for our audience. Yeah, so, you know, the Africa FinTech Summit is Pan-African Initiative, and we take that to heart in every summit that we do. No single panel conversation or room, for that matter, is going to have people from the same country. That's just simply not how we work. So our larger goal is facilitating the Pan-African conversation. 
and Pan-African future, very much aligned with uh, the Continental Free Trade Agreement and such. Yeah. Some of our previous speakers in 2020, we had Mr. Jack Dorsey of Square who spoke. We've had Mr. Jim Ovia speak. We've had Dr. Rasha Negum who reads, who leads the fintech initiatives with the Central Bank of Egypt. We've had various other bank presidents, including Admasu Tadas from TBD and others participate over the years. And from the standpoint of an event and a conference, you have a lot of opportunity to partner and work with a wide array of different stakeholders. For example, in 2020, we started working with Jack Dorsey's family office specifically, and they were able to come in and support us in bringing and enabling university students across Africa to attend the summit. In 2020, we were able to connect with 10 to 12 universities, and we had a class of about 250 university students who were able to attend the event. Last year in Cairo, we partnered with 17 different universities and were able to bring about 1,000 students into the fold and into the conversation and enable them not only to network and participate in the event. When you're in university, you're looking for a job that you're there to learn, but at the end of the day, you're really there to find a job and to make connections. And so that's one of the things we've done. Additionally, it gives university students an opportunity to learn more about the sector. They may, they can study anything from construction. But if they have an interest in the sector, you can still you can still learn about that, access that content and so forth. But we've worked with, like I said, a lot of different partners at the moment. We've been working closely with Amazon Web Services here in the next couple days, week or so. We will be releasing a white paper specifically focused on cloud in African fintech. Now, this is a topic that our advisory board identified earlier this year as not something anyone has really been focusing on publicly. There are a lot of private conversations that go on about, hey, how can we use cloud and fintech and so forth? But there hasn't been anything in Africa that has promoted the use of cloud or talked about some of the trade-offs and benefits of using cloud within financial technology. And so those are just two examples of some of the partnerships that we're able to establish with this. That's awesome. Being at the center of all these conversations and such a wide range of stakeholders, that that must give you quite the perspective. And from where you stand in the middle of this, coordinating or convening all these great conversations with great people, what outlook do you have for the for our sector in, at the moment? Like what outlook are you giving? Yeah, from the eyes of Daedalus and the Africa FinTech Summit, exactly like you said, we get to talk to not just one stakeholder group or one company. We get to talk and communicate with all of the stakeholder groups and all of the companies involved. And it really gives us a very special perspective that the vast majority of people do not get on the industry. Now, me personally, African FinTech Outlook, the industry has already reached its inflection point. Last year in 2021, we reached, you know, the inflection point where 
things drastically changed for the industry. And now this year and how I characterize this next phase of the industry that we're moving into aligns with the Africa FinTech Summit's theme, which is the Africanization of global FinTech. Now, this takes into account a lot of different trends that are happening, not just in South Africa, in Nigeria, but across the continent and across the world that are having an impact on the sector. So some of the different trends that I would call out specifically to you as part of this you know, next stage of African fintech that we're seeing, first of all, would be that African fintech has become a global asset class. In 2020, the industry raised $1.3 billion. Yeah. Last year, we saw over a 250% increase to $4.9 billion. Yeah. Now, this year, we just finished Q3 and the continent hits $4 billion US dollar funding mark. Yeah. Now, there are various, everyone has their own reports and such and their expectations, but the African Private Equity and Venture Capital Association had put out a report, their mid-year report, and they had, uh, they had expected the industry will raise 7 billion or African startups, not fintech in general, but African startups will raise $7 billion in 2022. Now, seeing that we just hit 4 billion, it's $3 billion away. So we still have quite a ways to go. Regardless, I believe we are going to see an increase in funding this year. And if you look at where the funding is coming from and who it's coming from, this has changed. And this is why I say it has become a global asset class. I don't know the exact statistic, but I believe it was about 40 to 45% of funding last year came from North American investors. The second largest group of investors was African investors at 25% going into African startups. And so I find this very interesting. It's almost a coming of age story. It took a few major investors in 2020, late and early 2021, to really prove to the world, hey, this is a viable industry on a very viable continent and so forth. Now, one of the other trends I would call out in this would be fintech as an enabler of other sectors and every sector really. And that's one of the unique things about embedded finance and such, whether you're a health tech, an ag tech, an ed tech, there is still, at the end of the day, you are still going to have to manage transaction in one way or another. Um, And that's where embedded finance comes in. And if you're going to take anything away from this trend of fintech enabling other sectors, it's that fintech in Africa is evolving really to be a horizontal rather than a vertical. Now, one of the other things I would mention uh, is that the expertise and assistance that's available to founders via early stage investment accelerators and incubators has Mm. significantly grown since 10 years ago. Now, the first African startup to participate in Y Combinator was Wave. This happened in 2012. It wasn't until two years later that we saw two additional 
startups participate in Y Combinator. And then now this year, I believe the cohort is fully announced for 2022, but there's 30 African startups in it. The, the services that innovators have to their disposal is much higher than it used to be. And we see this not only through the international organizations like Y Combinator or Plug and Play, but we also see this organizations like Launch Africa and so mm. forth. They're really able to engage on a higher level. And last year, Launch Africa, for example, was mm -hmm. the largest. They invested in the most number of deals out of any investor on the continent. Second, the sec yeah, the second one was Google for startups. So it's a really interesting kind of thing that's going on. Now, in the future, I think fintech is going to continue to be strong, but I think we're going to also start seeing it in different markets. I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later. Much of the innovation on the continent has been combined, has consisted of four to five countries, South Africa, yeah. Nigeria, Kenya, Egypt, you could say yeah. Ghana, and so forth. Um, right. But we're starting to see more raises coming from countries like Cote d'Ivoire, right. Democratic Republic of the Congo, Ethiopia, and so forth. And I think this is the next stage for African fintech is really kind of perfecting and moving toward that continental interoperability. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my outlook. <laughs> No, it's African quite interesting. Thing. You mentioned the four or five, let's say, investment hubs on the continent, but no doubt the sector is attracting a lot of interest from different players internationally and locally. I'm curious to know what sorts of factors make these centers or hubs like Nairobi, your Cape Towns, Lagos, Cairo, and so on, Accra. What makes these hubs attractive? To okay. investors. Some people are going to come out of the gate and say regulation. And unfortunately, I don't believe that. I don't believe policy alone has been the reason these countries have dominated funding. Mm. I believe it really has to do with an array of factors. If policy alone is the reason for certain countries to attract more funding, then we would see a lot more funding going to countries like Mauritius has right. a very liberalized framework for startups. I think it's a mix of factors that largely has to do with when you open a pitch deck, it's that first page you see the problem. It has to do with population, data affordability and access, mobile device penetration, the availability of tech talent mm. also has to do, it would be unfair not to mention, but it has to do with the relative stability of a country and that country's leadership as well and so forth. Yeah. Earlier this week, we saw what's unfortunately happening in Burkina Faso. Exactly. And we're just, we're not going to see funding going there simply because of that. Even if they had all of these factors, that does play a big role. And I want to, let's do a little, play a little scenario out here. Now, place yourself in the point of view of an entrepreneur. Let's set the stage here. Right. If you could start a business anywhere on the African continent, 
And let's say you have no biases on where that might be. You're likely going to select a country that has these various factors, mobile penetration, pop population, data affordability. You're likely going to pick a country that has those necessary prerequisites for scale that are also aligned with a certain level of regulatory development or competence. One of the things we hit on previously was we're starting to see more of these, you could say, non, non-focused or key markets, non-key markets starting to emerge. And I almost consider right now and what we're seeing to be a breakout phase for many of these countries. Um, and I'm not talking about a fintech that wants to expand to a new country. I'm talking about native to that country specifically. Yeah. So yeah. maybe this breakout phase idea has to do a little bit with the beautiful human condition of FOMO. But right. often a startup or two need to break out in a country in order to almost pave a path for other startups to success. But mm. let's, use, uh, let's use Sudan, for example. Right. About a year ago, Egypt's Fowry, which is the largest fintech in North Africa, mm-hmm. announced that they would be investing in a Sudanese classifieds marketplace just earlier this year. Bloom, a Sudanese startup, was accepted into Y Combinator. And for me, when we're starting to see more and more movement in non-key markets, is not only good for the entire continental ecosystem, but it's great for that market and is a strong sign of what is to come yeah. in the future. And another example, I believe it was just yesterday, yeah, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed and President William Ruto were in Addis Ababa. And now M-Pesa has gotten the approval to compete in Ethiopia, a market of 110 million people. It takes, some countries, it takes a really large thing, a really large occurrence, a really large investment or such to break the ice for other investors in that country. But for others, it's a little bit more of a slower process. For me, Beyond the four to five key markets, I think we're going to be seeing an insane amount of development in countries like Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, the DRC, Ethiopia, and so forth. The factors that you mentioned that that, that make these markets attractive to investors, are they the same and are they constantly changing for these frontier markets? For example, literacy rates internet penetration or mobile penetration, policy frameworks coming into play. It sounds to me like these are some of the things that eventually make new markets or open up new markets to foreign investors that may probably have been established in places like Kenya and South Africa, but are now starting to show face in places like DRC and Sudan. We have a bunch of countries coming up with payments licensing framework we have yes. a bu- and so on it sounds to me like it's going to be quite interesting to watch how these markets evolve in the short term but i can't help but ask about the obvious you know the elephant in the global economic slowdown and how it's been affecting funding rounds for many of our startups in africa word on the street is a lot of our 
fintechs are struggling to hit their targets, not necessarily because of internal factors, but they are now getting lower valuations than they expected and so on. And that's just not just unique to fintech. How would you advise a founder, a CEO in the space to steady the ship? through these difficult times from the perspective of someone, you know, at the center of these conversations, someone who's advising a strategy consultant and so on. What are some of the tips you'd give a founder or an investor uh, to some? Yeah, for me, my advice is going to probably be the same, whether capital is being raised heavily or capital is being raised slowly. I think part of that has to do with my my value investing, Benjamin Graham type philosophy. <laughs> but I would say I have three major advice points. The first is that founders need to be experts of their processes. Mm. And what I mean by that is, is it's taken from the show Undercover Boss, if you've seen that. Sometimes the CEO really needs to get in and figure out, hey, what exactly is happening, not only at my executive level, but at the ground level and such. And like, for example, if you have a delivery marketplace, say in Nairobi, the CEO should go out and do some deliveries. They should grab a boda and do some deliveries and so forth. And so that's what I mean. And it's very important. You cannot lead an organization efficiently if you do not know how that organization works at every level and knowing the proper channels of communication and so forth. So that's the first point. My second point, I think this has to do, it's pretty relevant now given the slowdown, but that's it. Founders should place emphasis on product market fit. Revenue generation. You cannot always rely on the next round of funding to be there. That's what makes revenue generation so important. Additionally, if you operate for 10 years and you still don't have any revenue, you know, that can prove to be a problem. That can prove to be a very big problem. Because at the end of the day, your investors are trying to make money. And one, one of the things we're seeing with this global VC slowdown is that VCs were very much in a competitive phase where it didn't matter how the company did. You just don't want to be the last VC to sell out your right. position. I think founders who recognize that, recognize the importance of revenue generation, it's very important. And beyond that, product market fit. For mm-hmm. example, PESA. And PESO would not do well in Egypt. Egypt is a cash economy very much still today. The way people think and operate and so forth, I don't think mobile money is a solution in Egypt. But then again, mobile money is very much a solution here in Kenya. So focusing on product market fit, because a lot of entrepreneurs over the past years were pushed into market entry to right. justify raising their next round. And I don't always think that's a wise choice. We're, over the past couple of months, we've seen so many companies that have said, hey, we're stepping back our plans to expand in this market. We're stepping back our plans to expand in this market. And, right. and that's because this the craziness of global VC over the past few years has been expand as quick as possible. It's the Silicon Valley, you could say mentality of move quickly and break things. It doesn't always work. 
It doesn't. <laughs> and then my last point of advice would be that founders should focus the vast majority of their time on building the best product and service possible. Mm. Oftentimes, founders, especially CEOs, will spend the majority of their day on average fundraising. Now, money is very much an important player in having a successful company and a successful startup. That's no lie. But if you are not investing the time into building and managing your company, eventually you are going to become disassociated with it to yeah. an extent and disassociated to the day-to-day -day action. And then that is where this all circles back to the founder needs to be the expert of the process. If you're spending 80% of your day fundraising, you can't be an expert in your own business. So those are my three major points. Founders need to be experts in their processes. Founders should focus emphasis on revenue generation, product market fit, and founders should focus their time on running their company, not on fundraising. Fundraising should really be at a max 25, 30% of their time. As a founder myself, I that's quite sound advice. Having experienced some of these challenges, I'm still working my way through them. But back to the Africa FinTech Summit, we know these are ongoing conversations and uh, you've got a huge event coming up. What can we expect at the upcoming FinTech Summit? I know a lot of these are going to be covered. A lot of these topics are going to be covered at the main stage. But what else can we expect at the upcoming event and how can one participate in this conversation, in this extended dialogue? Yeah, both, both great questions and uh, I'll try to keep it short. Don't let me ramble on too much. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Rumble away. Yeah, this is definitely going to be the largest Africa FinTech Summit yet. This is our eighth edition. We're in Cape Town, which is a very developed fintech market. From a content standpoint, I believe we have the strongest lineup of speakers, partners, and sponsors that we have ever had. Just to highlight a few, some of our leading sponsors, Team Out, Flutterwave, Echo Bank, and so forth. We have some amazing partners coming in. We have GSMA, we have Brighter Bridges, Congo Business Network, which has been one of our longest term partners, and so forth. But one of, the, one of the special things that we're doing this year that we haven't done in the past is really focusing on bridging the divides between the rest of Africa and Francophone Africa. We did this last year in Egypt, is bridging that divide between Sub-Saharan and North Africa. Now we really want to bridge the gap, you know, there with Francophone Africa. The language barrier plays a big role. People don't understand just how extensive a role it plays. And we've brought on some great partners this year. We have La Francophonie, which is an organization of French-speaking countries from around the globe. They're coming in as one of our partners. And additionally, we have La Tribune Afrique, which is a French language Africa news organization. I'm not exactly sure which city they're based out of. Yeah. But so we're really, that's one of the new things. But you've attended previous summits. That's one yeah. of the new things you can expect to see. One of the other things I want to highlight is at each of our Africa summits, 
we host an ecosystem tour. And we started this, I believe, in 2019 in Addis Ababa. But we had a great ecosystem tour of Cairo last year, where we had a wide array of international investors, including APIS Partners, Catalyst Fund, UNDP, and such, where we took them around the city of Cairo, introduced to them to, hey, this is Flat Six Labs. This is one of the largest accelerator in North Africa, Middle East. Hi, this is this is the director of the regulatory sandbox at the Central Bank of Egypt and so forth. So it's really engaging locally. And we're doing that in Cape Town as well. Um, we have some great partners coming on board for that tour. Anyone who's interested in that is able to participate on the tour. It's, uh, it's a part of the registration process on our website. Nice. But essentially, anyone who wants to participate in the conference is welcome to attend. I have a few friends from the United States who each year they fly out and come to the FinTech Summit. And they're you know, not all they're, in FinTech? They're, they're not in FinTech. It's yeah. partly an excuse to travel. Yeah. A lot of people, especially Westerners, don't typically come to Africa and it provides an opportunity for that. But anyone who wants to participate, whether you're from an investment standpoint, development standpoint, innovation perspective, is welcome to attend the summit. Registration is still open on our website, and our team is able to issue visa invitation letters and so forth and assist people um, with obtaining a visa to South Africa, which oftentimes is a major pain point. One of the reasons sometimes people don't want to travel is that they have to go through the headache, especially if you carry a Nigerian passport or so forth. You know, there are some very real issues that you have with getting a visa. And so we, we try to alleviate that headache mm. as much as possible. Because like I said at the beginning, we're a Pan-African initiative. Mm. You can't be a Pan-African initiative if everyone's not there. It's true simple true. as that <laughs> it really is that simple and I, no doubt by all standards it sounds quite exciting and uh, you've given quite it's almost like you've given everything away it's a six minute trailer so, <laughs> that covers everything that happens in the show and you don't feel like there's more but i can guarantee whoever gets involved will has we've not even just we've not even touched the surface as far as what what you can expect to experience at events like these because I've been a delegate myself at quite a few of your events and I can I've met quite a few people I've also been able to learn quite a bit about these different markets and about these different dynamics going on in in the countries that you host the events in and also just like from others who are not from there it's still a it's still a melting pot in in every sense exactly exactly and at Cape Town we have we have three really exciting keynote addresses that we will be announcing here soon we have two fireside chats with some of the largest CEOs in fintech on the continent all of I'm not going to tell you exactly uh, who it is because all of this is going to be announced. Uh, in due <laughs> Big time. announcement coming soon. We'd, I um, thought we'd get a a, a, pre, a prim, premiere on my show. Big announcement well, on my show, but he's decided not to give it. I'm happy to go through uh, some of the agenda topics that we're discussing at this summit. Our headline panel is the same thing as our theme that we discussed earlier, Africanization yeah. of Global FinTech. And this is going to be a really compelling conversation that AWS, Flutterwave, TMAX, Time Bank, and so forth 
and it's going to be a great conversation. We have a panel that's focused on the Southern Africa region and fintech regulatory development that has been going on there. Earlier, I mentioned that we're engaging more with French-speaking Africa. We have a French-language panel for the first time, and the English title to this is uh, Fintech Development in Francophone Africa. And this is going to be a really interesting conversation that brings in investors, innovators, and telcos into the conversation. We're focusing on mobile money and the quest for interoperability. We are discussing what we had mentioned earlier of global VC investments slowing down. That is one of the topics that we're going to oh, tackle cool. head on. Some industry conferences, they, they aren't going to want to talk about it, to be honest. Exactly. They don't want to talk negatively about their industry, but the reality is you have to have these conversations. You can't ignore the trends for something that's convenient marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. We're also focusing on payments innovation, We're focusing on the ecosystem enablers, the people who play a role in the ecosystem. I think that's going to be a very compelling conversation that brings in literally all corners to the continent. We're tackling topics of e-commerce, trade, and commodities. We're talking about the digitization of banking and uh, what I like to call the supply chain of money. Catchy. Yes, and so forth. So those are those are our major topics that we're covering. We're going to have 13 panel conversations oh. at the summit, and our team is really excited. Just to highlight for you our three-day breakdown, we are hosting November 2nd through 4th. November 2nd is really the pre-AFTS day. This is where we are hosting our workshops for our Alpha Expo Micro Accelerator cohort. I don't think we've talked about this yet, but at each November summit, we we invite 10 startups who have applied to essentially come to the summit to pitch to investors and to exhibit all for no cost to them. And the focus is on early stage innovators and startups. And that's something that has been incredibly beneficial that we've found. Because if you're a bootstrap startup, you don't have the money to throw 3,000 US dollars to fly out to a conference. It's very important for us to bring in the early stage startups through that means. In the past, this is going to be our fifth cohort. In the past, we've had uh, had companies like MarketForce, Yellowcard, ASOC, Piggy wow. Best and others who have participated in this uh, in this cohort and are alumni of the Alpha Expo program. But circling back, I got a little off topic there. <laughs> Wednesday, yeah. November second, we're doing the workshops for that. Um, those are invite only for those attendees, and then uh, we're doing a VIP dinner that evening for our speakers, sponsors, partners, people attending the summit. They are. They have the opportunity to uh, purchase an add-on to attend the VIP dinner. There is a very limited number of those remaining. And that's because it's not a VIP dinner if 400 people are there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just an everyone dinner. Just um, a dinner. It's a banquet. Exactly. And November 3rd, we have what our team calls AFT. And this is where we are highlighting keynotes, fireside panels, exhibition. We have a catered lunch. We have a happy hour at the end of the day. All of that's happening at the Cape Town Convention Center. And then November 4th, we have two major things going on. 
We have the ecosystem tour, which delegates are able to purchase an add-on to attend that tour as well. That's largely focused on international investors and companies looking to get involved in South Africa. And then at the end of the day, the evening, Friday, November 4th, the close to the summit, we're hosting the Alpha Expo pitch competition. We're extremely excited for the competition. We're in we're in the process of talks on the various partners on different benefits that we can provide the winner for that competition. Mm. But uh, that's always one of my favorite parts of the summit. Is yeah, one- uh, I watched the Startup World Cup in 2019, and was it called the Startup World Cup? And yes, and in I pitched 2019. in 2020. Yes, you did. I did. I pitched at the summit. <laughs> so I know what you're talking about. It's nice. It's nice. And I got really great responses and leads from that. And it was virtual too. Right in the thick yes. of the, the, the pandemic still had an impact. Yeah, the 2020 summit was, it was virtual. I honestly never want to do another virtual summit. But no, it, it was beneficial. And something that was unique about that was it did enable a lot of people that typically don't typically wouldn't attend in person to participate in the event. And actually, since then, our summits have all been hybrid. So individuals mm-hmm. are able to attend in person and or virtually. Cool. Thanks, Andrew, for breaking it down. And really, I don't have to summarize it for our audience. They must, you know, you've had something for every type of listener that we have on our show. And it's been quite exciting to have this conversation with you. But tell me how our listeners can reach out to you guys about the summit, about your work, and about the, your opinions and stuff, the thoughts that you have. You're producing papers, you're doing papers, white papers, and there's a thought leadership angle to what you guys do. You're know, yes. sharing what you've learned from you, what you've learned from all of us putting it together and how can we tap into that besides just, you know, being a guest on my show. And exactly, exactly. We're on all of the major social media platforms. Maybe eventually we'll be on TikTok, but I haven't warmed <laughs> up to that platform yet. <laughs> but uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, look us up, the Africa Fintech Summit. Also our website, www.africafintechsummit.com is a great way. On there, you're able to contact us directly and also learn more about our past summits, our, much of our thought leadership work, our reports, white papers, and so forth. On there, you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, um, which goes out every Thursday evening. It's titled Africa's Weekly FinTech Review. We go out to 16,000 different people across the globe in over 100 different countries and just giving an update on Hey, what's this is what's happened this week in African fintechs. Yeah. If anything, I highly recommend subscribing to the newsletter. It's available on our website via email through MailChimp, and it's also available through LinkedIn newsletters as well. But follow us on social media and keep up with everything we're doing. And if you're interested, we'd love to welcome you in Cape Town. Yep. See you in Cape Town. Dakar maybe next year. I had rumors. Yeah, there are rumors. So it's been no absolutely, it's been absolutely a pleasure break tackling this conversation with you. And there you have it. Our audience has heard it directly from Andrew Barden, director of insights at Deadless Global and lead content director at lead organizer and content director at 
the Africa FinTech Summit. I hope interested parties can get down to Cape Town as soon as possible. It's a lovely mother city. The views are great. The food's great. People are warm. And I look forward to our follow-up conversations, hopefully maybe at the summit or elsewhere. Right here in Nairobi. I believe you're sitting in Nairobi at the moment. Yes. And Patrick, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was an absolute joy to discuss everything in my mind and kind of get it out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point, my brother. Yeah, thank you. And uh, see you soon. You as well. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.